Welcome to At the Table with Darlene. I heard a phrase, so it's not original at all. I heard a phrase, but it, boy, it, it did something in me. And the phrase was a revival of generosity. And I just really began to think about that. And I began to think about how Solid Rock had made such a turn over the, through pandemic, through everything, how God is just his presence more than anything. Because you know what? Without his presence, we're just coming together doing a thing. But his presence, his anointing. And we prayed for revival. We prayed and asked God, you know, to do what he wants to do. God, don't let us think that you have to do it in a certain way and that we have to act a certain way. But God, you... Everything with you, you are new, constantly, you're new, you're fresh. And so that phrase just really ministered to me. I didn't take any, anything from anywhere except that phrase, and except from the presence of God. And I began to meditate on it. But before I get started, I just want to say, ask you a question. And the question was in my mind, why are there so many angry people? Have you noticed? Have you ever have you ever seen so much anger displayed? Have you ever been so angry as you are right now? Now I'm not and we you know we have a righteous indignation that needs to be working and operating against the powers of hell. But have you ever seen people God's people flare up in anger and not even sure why they're angry, much less what's going on out there in the world. I mean, there are people that are trying to burn down everything because they're angry. Why are they angry? Is it all because of what happened two years ago? I don't think so. Is it all because of what uh, the Supreme Court uh, decision? I don't think so because they've been angry for quite a while and it's beginning to... Uh, uh, abrupt. It's beginning. It's like a, a volcano that is exploding and it's spewing all over everything and everybody. I would say that there's probably people that are sitting in this church or listening by, by way of media today that you can say, I, I've been angry. I found myself angry and saying things and I don't know why I'm doing that. I don't know why that's happening. Why am I being so mean? We all know that anger is an emotion. We understand that. If you've ever experienced it by being angry or being the target of anger, it is frightening. It can be frightening. Do you know, I understood depression I understood that because I wore the cloak and the cloak stayed with me over and over again through my life. And I always, when it came, I knew. When it fell, I knew the mantle. And it wasn't a God mantle. It was a mantle of depression that would fall over me. But when God, he did deliver me, totally delivered me from being depressed. I was married to him probably three years before he ever knew that part of my quietness was depression. Took a long time. But here's what happened a few years later. Something happened in our lives. I had never, ever experienced the feeling of an outburst of anger. 
And I was so angry, it scared me. Anger should scare you. If you can get anger, angry and holler and yell at somebody, that better scare you. Because it is not of God. The Word of God says that we can be angry and sin not. And it's talking about a godly kind of anger that the righteous has that rises up within them and says, uh devil, you get off my property. Or if someone's doing something to try to harm you or your family, you have a right to anger. That's an emotion that's handed rightly. But how about this other anger that keeps on coming up? So how am I to react when I feel angry? A lot of people say, think that. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to act like a fool because that's what we do. We act like a fool when we're angry. And it's a scary feeling. It is a scary. That was one of the most scary feelings, emotions that I ever dealt with in my life. It was scarier to me than being depressed. And they say that anger is just depression turned the other way around. You know, it's just, you know. But when it hit me, it brought me to my knees. And I was like, God, I don't know where this is coming from. This is not who I want to be. This is not who I, this is not who you are inside of me. And I repented. But I still was hurt. And it took a long time to walk out of it. But I refused to live in that anger. Now, this is not my message. Sorry, guys. You know, we're just getting started here. I'm going to hurry. I'll be done before noon. Do you know that we want to tell people exactly how we feel? How many here want to tell your spouse what's on your mind? Come on now, be honest. This is a time for, yeah, we got a few brave people. You want to tell them. I mean, they're not, tell, they're not, you know, it's like they're not being fair, right? So you want to tell them what's fair. Come on now. I mean, there were 50% of you that were, that were honest. Because that's what we do. We, we, want, we want them to see our side of the story. And we'll work really, really hard on making sure our side of the story gets told. We lose a lot of brain power and brain cells while we're spewing out our nonsense. And I don't know about you, but I need mine. And I'm feeling you're going to need yours too because how, if, you, if you keep all those dead cells up there, how are you going to get the word of God into your heart and your mind and be able to bring it out of your mouth? And I just want to remind you of a scripture that, that is good for all of us. Proverbs 15.1, a soft word turns away wrath. Maybe we need to learn that one. Maybe we need to put it on our mirror. Maybe we need to put it, you know, everywhere, refrigerator, everywhere we go. We, but a harsh answer stirs up anger. I have stirred up anger in my husband many times when he was being ugly and hateful by my retort to him or vice versa. That's the truth. We need to work on it, friends. Because, see, wise men and women learn from others. Some learn from their own experiences. We should learn for our experiences where we have not been doing what we're supposed to be doing. Amen? We've been acting in ways that we shouldn't. And we need to learn how to respond in gentle, gentleness because that is a fruit of the Spirit. And we are saved. So it's, it is available to us. We can do this while we chew our tongue. While we go outside by ourselves and we scream and yell a little bit, then we say, God, help me. And we pray in tongues and say, cleanse me from this nasty attitude I got. If we would learn to bring in control. But the word of God said that fools never learn. 
Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's a personal scripture. How do I overcome evil? By doing good. That's how we do it. So how does God show us through his word to overcome evil? I begin to think about the attributes of God. When I was thinking about this, I'm thinking about the attributes of God. And of course, we all go back to Galatians 5 and we think of the fruit of the Spirit because that is his attributes. Uh, and we know that his loving kindness and the fact that he's faithful to us, wow, you know, when we're not faithful, he's still faithful. And he forgives us when we, our hearts are hard and we don't want to forgive. Isn't that something we're stubborn? We don't want to forgive because we have a right to hang on to this. But let me tell you something. When you've lived as old as I am, which is not very old, when you lived as long as I have, and you understand that being, having unforgiveness in your heart, it's not a party worth going to. So don't use your self-pity and stay there. Get before God and repent and say, God, this is between you and me. It's not between anybody else. I got to get it right with you. But his love and kindness, and I was thinking about that, and then his generosity. And I got stuck on his generosity, and that's what I want to talk about, because what a generous father that we have. It's pretty much his generosity will cover every attribute that you and I could think to name about him. God gives to me liberally, and I lack for nothing he makes me to lie down in green pastures of provision. He restores my soul. What a, what a generous God it is that he says, you can lay down when there's lack all around you and know that you're not going to lack because I'm taking care of you. When the Israelites left Egypt, they had been in slavery for all, all those years and they left with their hands full of goods from the Egyptians. See, here's, here's the deal. God blesses us so much with generosity, and yet we forget. How soon did they forget? How soon did they forget? Listen to this. I want to read this to you. Exodus 3, 21, 22. I will give this people favor... In the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be, when you go, that you shall not go empty-handed. Now, they left. They've been in slavery. And when they left, they shall not go empty-handed. Oh, he's a generous God. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely, of her who dwells near her house. Ask for articles of silver. Ask for articles of gold. Ask for clothing. And you shall put them on your sons and your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. Now, isn't that something? The favor of God, the generosity of God to the Israelites as they were going out into a world unknown. As they were leaving slavery, they left with more than they needed. But God was showing his word. And when God speaks it, don't speak against his word. Some of us sitting in here today, God has spoke things to you that you knew were God, but now you begin to speak against his word. Don't do that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, we are whosoever, right? 
you, so that you and I don't have to perish in our sins, but so that we can have everlasting life. Now, this is extravagant generosity that he has given to you and I. There's a story we all remember when Jesus was on his way from Judea. He was going to Galilee, and he came to the city of Samaria. His disciples, they had gone to get some food, and Jesus was tired. They'd been on a long journey, and so he, uh, he sat down at Jacob's well. He sat there tired, and all of a sudden, as he's sitting there, he needed a drink. You know, the physical man needed a drink, and uh, there came this woman, a Samaritan. She came to draw water. And Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water, basically? He said, will you give me one? Now, the natural part of it, yeah, he needed a drink of water. But the Samaritan woman, because, you know, Jews and Samaritans, Jews don't talk to Samaritans. But she was taken by, back in John 4, 9. How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? They wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans at that time. But here she was, conversation going on. And Jesus said, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. What was Jesus offering her? He was offering her water that would not run dry. He was generous to her. He was saying to her, who I am and what I have is so much more than that natural drink you could give me or that you could get out of the well to go back and give to your household. John 14, 4, 14, 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him become in us the water that we drink out of, the water of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God living inside of us. It will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life, a generous, the generosity of our Savior Jesus that was sitting and talking to this woman. He's a generous God. Paul. We're getting a lot of word today, Bible study in for the week. Paul speaks to us in Acts chapter 20, verse 22 and 24. Paul says, but there is another urgency before me now. I feel compelled to go to Jerusalem. I'm completely in the dark about what will happen when I get there. I do know that it won't be any picnic. Come on, church. It's not a picnic in this life. It really isn't. We thought it would be, didn't we? We thought those around us, our children, they, they were going to be good. We thought our, our spouses, we thought that, that our work or the people that we have to deal with on a regular basis, we thought that it was all going to be just really, really easy. But Paul says, I do, not, I do know that it won't be any picnic for the Holy Spirit has let me know repeatedly and clearly that there are hard times and imprisonment ahead. There are things in our life that imprisons us for a while. But if we can understand, like Pastor said a while ago, when we pray the will of God, what is the will of God? If you don't know what the will of God is when you pray, get in the Word of God and find out what it says about your situation. Because when we do that and we begin to pray the will of God, then we can thank Him for the answer. Now, if you're just shooting prayers out there that aren't the will of God, not going to happen. 
It's not going to be a picnic. There are hard times, imprisonment ahead. But Paul said, but that matters little. What matters most to me is to finish what God started. Larry, the important thing of your life, not what the days in the past have been, not about all craziness and how this happened and that happened. But the fact is, what really counts is the same as what Paul said here. What matters most to me is to finish what God started. That is what we each one should be striving for, finishing what God started. The job the master Jesus gave me of letting everyone I meet know all about this incredibly extravagant generosity of God. He has been so good to us. He has been extravagant in his love. He has been extravagant in his mercy toward us. What is so wonderful is he doesn't hold it against us when we don't realize the generosity of who he is. Paul recognized and he lived his life according, knowing that God had blessed him with generosity and that he had a mission to fulfill, to tell others about his master. Paul, and we all understand why, he said, he describes himself as the, as the chief, chiefest of all sinner because he was downright honorary and mean. He was doing things that he thought were right. He was religious. Oh, God help us. My goodness, we get so religious that we don't give people time to mature and grow up. Paul understood. We have to understand. Sometimes people say, how come you guys have so much patience? You don't know how patient he was with us. <laughs> you know what has made us strong? Imprisonment. Imprisoned in situations and things that, can you believe that that happened? Can't even believe we're here. God's a generous God. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, is generous. Then so shall we be generous, right? <laughs> so shall we be, because we're salt. We're light into this world of darkness. Has anybody noticed lately that it seems to be getting a little darker and darker? Have you noticed? We can try not to. We can, we can try by putting our heads in the sand, but the fact is that's not really how it goes, Right? We have the promise of our generation, our generous God, that as gross darkness, as Isaiah 60 and verse 2 says, covers the earth, the glory of God will be seen upon you, every one of you that's sitting in this auditorium today, everyone that's listening. God wants to shine his glory upon you as the darkness around you, as it seems like the enemy is taking your children, as it seems like that drugs are taking our young people and so many lives. It, it, it seems like, but I'm telling you, the glory of the Lord wants to rise upon this earth, wants to set in on you and wants you to be the witnesses. Luke 8, 18. No one lights a lamp and then covers it with a wash tub or shoves it under the bed. No, you set it up on a lampstand so that anyone who enters the room can see their way. We're not keeping secrets. We're telling them. We're telling others that our Redeemer lives. We're telling others that if you'll just hang in there, if you'll let the Word of God work in you, you'll get past the situation. Be, so be careful that you don't become misers of what you hear. Generosity begats generosity, if we know who God is. Stinginess impoverishes. 
stinginess impoverishes us, holds us in bondage. One of the most beautiful stories that I know, and that's my son-in-law. He's not here down today, and he really isn't my husband, but he's my son-in-law. He's pastor's son-in-law. In case anybody uh, remembers the slip-up that pastor does, is we really aren't like that. It's crazy. <laughs> let it go, let it go. But to, out of really negative things of life, but he knew that God had something better for him. Do you know everyone that's sitting in here? God has something better for you. Even if you had a good life back here. God still got better. God still has a good plan. A better plan than what you've already got to live. It's even more than that. The world around us, they need to see the generosity of our, G of our Lord Jesus Christ. They need to see that. And we have to have it evident every day as we walk this walk with God. What can I do? Our attitude should be, what can I do to help your situation? What can I do? I want other people around in this city. I want people that don't deserve us to do good things to, for. I want, or we might think they don't, but I want this area to know that I, that my husband, that my children, that this church family know in this city that we are generous people. We are not impoverished by stinginess in this house. I am so encouraged by the generosity of this church, and I just want to tell you that. You're a generous people. Something happened in this church a couple years ago. It turned, there was a turn We'll talk about that in just a minute. Mark 4, 24, 25. Now listen carefully to what I'm saying and be wary of the shrewd advice that tells you how to get ahead in the world on your own. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. Giving will get you out of poverty. Because see, it's an attitude. It's a, it's a spirit. It's an expectancy. We, if we don't teach our kids how to share when they're little, they're going to be stingy. If, we don't let, if they don't know how to give mom or dad a bite of food when they want the whole thing, we need to keep working with them because that's stinginess. We need to. We were born with that stinginess. You're right. So we have to develop it in our homes and our children, but we also have to develop it ourselves because sometimes that was how we were raised up. Tithing opens up the windows of heavens for us. Now, I'm not preaching on money, but I'm just going through some points. It's not, just, it's not just tithing because I believe that, yes, when you give money to the kingdom of God, it opens up the he heaven. I believe that offerings causes the well to gush out, to pour out, to provide the more than enough. I believe when the more offerings we give, tithing belongs to God. That's our covenant. Offerings begin to open up our, our capacity to get bigger and bigger, to receive back the blessings of the Lord. Jesus said to the woman at the well, the water, his water is generosity. I'm, I'm giving you will cause you to never thirst or run dry. There is no reason for us to thirst after things of this world. If we are going the world's way, and we're thirsting after things of this world, we are rejecting the water supply that the Holy Spirit gives to you and I. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will be watered himself. 
if you don't sit and look to see if they said thank you, but you're just faithful to do, just faithful to give, thankful to care, God will make sure that you're taken care of. If we understand that the seeds we sow will grow, can't help it. We just have to water the seeds with the word of God over them. Water your seeds. Water your giving. When you have a generous heart that goes in and takes care of somebody that's sick, that's giving. That's seed. I remember I expect a whole bunch of people to take care of me when I get old. I have to shoot you out of the room if I ever get 95, and, and you might think I need help getting up and down here. But when I was a young girl, there was a woman that I worked with. I was a waitress, and she was the cook. And she took me under her wing and loved on me, her on, on my little family. And when she got sick, I would go in and I would shower with her so she could get, she couldn't go in by herself. She couldn't be held up. But the seeds, you sow them in life and then you know that that seed's in the ground. So I thank God for all the caretakers. Mary took good care of me. But God's going to raise up others. You know, I have wonderful, I'm not asking for anybody. I'm just saying, you learn to give and it just comes back on every wave into your life. May I tell you this morning that if you are not generously giving, you are not living. I have the most fun. It's the habit that I have and God supplies my habit. He makes sure that I have seeds to sow. And I said it years ago, I'm not broke and I will never be broke. I won't because my bank is up here and I've made sure that I keep deposits going in of generosity. Churchill said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. See, he's a generous God. He's looking for generous people. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. We all know the scriptures says, as I wish, I want more than anything that your soul would prosper. Because when our soul prospers, the other parts of our life will prosper. And then we will begin to live the life of generosity. That's where the fun is at. Luke 6, 38, 30, uh, 37, 38 says, don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Oh, my. If we're doing that and we're getting it back in our home, somebody needs to pull their tongue out a little bit and tell it to behave itself. Good exercise, right? Don't condemn those who are down or having a, good, uh, a rough time today. I have a rough time with my, my words sometimes. I know what my head says, but I don't finish all my sentences. And my husband has learned how to and quit of get it. You know, he's more patient than he was with that. He's understood that sometimes I just, I need your patience because it's up there. I'll get it out of here eventually. And it's not because I'm getting older. It's just something to remind me that in 2000, mm, driving a car, having a stroke, and men working in the work zone that I was mowing down the barrels. I, I didn't kill him. My grandson was with me. I don't know how I got stopped. I don't know. But I know that my God 
had his eyes on me, and he took care of me. So when I do that, I'm like, I know, I remember. God, you're so good. You're so generous to me to let me preach. I was slow of speech anyway, so boy, that really gets it with it, you know? But God is so good. He's so generous. Be easy on people. First of all, let's go back. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness will boomerang. You wonder why somebody's so hard that you're around all the time? Boomerang, boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life and you'll find a life a lot easier. Oh my. God help us today. Praise and worship. Would you come up? There's a sweet anointing. You know, I don't know. I don't understand why God does. Never, I never do. Generosity and the Holy Spirit, what, you know, I don't know. How do you put that together? Give away your life. You'll find life given back, but not merely given back. When you give your life for someone else or for another cause, given back with bonus and blessing, giving not getting is the way. Oh, come on. <laughs> I don't need the accolades. I don't need you to love me, but I like it when you do. But if I'll give to you love anyway, God will make sure it gets back to me generously. Generously. Begets generously. Generously. Gener generosity wants to know today. Can we offer to say, what can I do to help? What is it that you need? If you can't find somebody in your neighborhood, if you can't find somebody in the church that needs some help, then what can I do to help with a house of worship? What can I do? How can I make a difference? Acts 3 and 24, Jesus, God says, God did it for us out of sheer generosity. He put us in right standing with himself. Wow, what a gift. What a generous gift he gave to us. It's a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we are in and restored us to be. And he did it by means of Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what he did. Could it be that we are in a revival of generosity? Yes, solid rock we are. Yes, we are. Because Pastor and I have walked this walk for a long time. It's different now. It's different now. There's a different attitude. There's a different spirit. There is something that's going on that you can't even put your finger on. But you can know that the word of the Lord has spoken it and said it and it's settled. Romans 11.33, have you ever come on anything quite this extravagant generosity of God. This deep, deep wisdom is way over our heads. We'll never figure it out because his ways are higher than our ways. His way stomps out stinginess in our life, selfishness, greed. His kingdom way is way beyond our fleshly thinking. And here's some good advice I'm going to give you from Apostle Paul. Romans 12. Our scripture tells us that if you see your enemy, go buy that person lunch. Oh, come on. Come on. What if he won't take it? Not your problem. One of the freest days that I ever had in my life was when I quit wondering if you love me or not. I mean, I know you all do. But I'm just saying I was so insecure in my life that 
it was better to hide than to think that somebody might not like me. Actually, God used my generosity and stupidness as a child. I remember being in the seventh grade and You know, sometimes I think, man, God, you gave me a good mind. And I did my own thing when I got to high school. I messed up so bad. Never did go back to school after sophomore. Didn't go to my junior and senior year. What a waste of the brain. It would seem, but yet God says, if you'll just get into my word and you'll follow me, I'll teach you. If you'll let life's lessons teach you, I can still use you. But I remember in seventh grade, there was, there was this girl that was, she was pretty popular. I was just a skinny little girl, weighing about 80 pounds at that time. God help me now. But I did, and, and everybody wanted to be friends to this girl. And I remember one day she would be friendly with me. The next week, she was somebody else's friend. She couldn't handle more than one at a time. And she was always so ugly about it. But I remember my mom, even though we had our, we had our situations of life, she always made sure that she ordered from the catalog dresses before my school year. I remember that. And I love that. But I sneaked one of those dresses and I took it out of the house and I took it and I gave it to this girl, Paula. And she was so excited about that dress. And we were friends for at least three weeks. <laughs> but that generosity was there, but I was doing it because I was trying to buy her friendships. I wanted her to like me. So what a free day when I understood that God loves me. And that if I will let his love pour out from me, his generosity to other people, I can be confident in the fact that I am loved. Paul in Galatians 1.15, he said because he was remembering that he was living by the Jewish law and he was persecuting the church. He was an evil person. He thought he was doing good. He was religious. Galatians 1.15. Even then, God had his eye on me. Why, when I was in my mother's womb, he chose and called me out of sheer generosity. The Apostle Paul understood that God was so generous to change his life around Living for Christ, I'm telling you what, it is a joy. Kingdom living is a joy. We need to be kingdom builders. Build each other up. We need to minister to each other. A generous soul will always prosper because the blessings of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. That is my continual declaration I make when I go into my house, when I come out, when I... It's just, it's a, it's a decoration that I make all the time because that's what I believe, that the blessing of the Lord make us rich and it adds no sorrow to it. So when there's sorrow, 
something is not right. Me. Philippians 4.19. You can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. Our God and Father abounds in glory and pours out into eternity. Yes. We've been praying and we've been believing God for revival. Stand to your feet. His outpouring, his anointing. After the day of the Pentecost, many were getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And there became a revival of giving. Acts 4, 31. And when they had prayed, the place was filled where they were assembled together and was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke the word of God with boldness. Lions and lioness, bold, knowing who they are in Christ, knowing who, whose family is living in their home. Now the multitude of those who believed with, were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that all of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. We got to understand that it is he that gives us the ability to get wealth. He gives us the ability to work to be able to feed our families, to be generous to others. It is He. When I heard the revival of generosity, my heart leaped inside of me because I knew it was, a, it was prophetic in God's plan and action. And if I could take you back just for a moment to see how God has repositioned us as a church. Remember that word? Reposition. And He's re repositioned us as individuals. And then he challenged us. What do you see? Can you see the tiny cloud? If you see it, do you believe that it's got some rain in it? Do you hear? Can you hear the roar of the abundance of rain? Can you hear bones rattling the graveyard of things in your life? Can you hear the bones rattling and coming together? Can you see and can you hear the sound of a mighty army rising up? Can you see what was a grave become a beautiful garden? I haven't loved every minute of our life. I haven't loved it, but I loved him. And when I loved him, he brought perfection because this is a perfect man in front of me because he's perfect for me. And I'm perfect for him. See, he will take what was a grave, what meant to bury us, and he's turned it into a beautiful garden. Can you see the big sea of possibilities becoming a highway for you to pass through? Can you see, church? What can you see? What can you hear? When you look at it, it's all in shambles. I remember the word of the Lord. I know I'm picking on you today, but that's okay, Larry. You can handle it. But you were sharing what, what you saw, and it was It was rough. It was boards and everything laying around. But then I said, can you see the building? Can you see the walls going up? Can you see? Can you see God doing the impossible? Mm. Hebrews 12, 15 says, make sure no one is left out of God's generosity. Not one church member. Not one person on the media. We don't want you to be left out. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontentment. Yeah. Come on. You want me to say it again? That's Hebrews 12, 15. 
Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontentment. I think it's in the message. I'm not sure. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. You'll ruin your own garden. And that's what the enemy wants to do is get us to ruin our own gardens by our words. Our words, not his words. Our words, because see, we're undisciplined. We're like that wild donkey that doesn't want to settle down. Luke 6.38, everybody knows this one. Given and you shall receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaking together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And that goes in the negative. If you've been getting, if you have spent more time complaining and griping, you're getting it back and you don't like it. But we can repent. And like I said, we can pull that tongue out and we can say, you're not going to do that anymore. I believe God wants to use us, Solid Rock, as, to bring a revival of generosity in our church. I believe that with all my heart. Yeah. Last scripture, Psalm 112, 19, out of the message. Good scripture. A blessed man, blessed woman who fear God, who cherish and relish his commandments, their children robust on the earth, and the homes of the upright, how blessed. Their houses brim with wealth. Oh, our soul is prospering. We have wealth in our home and a generosity that never runs dry. Sunrise breaks through the darkness for good people. God's grace, mercy, and justice. The good person is generous and lends lavishly. No shuffling or stumbling around for this one, but a sterling and solid and lasting reputation. Unfazed by rumor and gossip. Heart ready, trusting in God. Spirit firm and unperturbed. Ever blessed, relaxed among enemies. See, you can sit at the table in the presence of your enemies and relax. They lavish gifts on the poor. A generosity that goes on and on and on. An honored life. A beautiful life. A life of generosity from our Father. And a revival of generosity in this church. You want to see God cause this church to explode? With His presence, first of all. With His presence. We keep a heart of generosity because we understand that this trip, this journey is not about us. So we're going to sing. There's a sweet. Thank you for joining us today at At the Table with Darlene. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at DarleneSolidRock at gmail.com. Let us know any topics you would like to hear from At The Table. You can also check us out at DarleneRoads.org. Also at WAWMinistries.org. Thanks again for joining us at At The Table with Darlene.